Welcome to another episode of Living an Ultra Life. My name is Mike and I'm your host. And this week I do not have a guest, so you're stuck with me. I am in the midst of attempting to run my very first 100 miler in under 24 hours. I finished 400 milers. My fastest was 26 hours and 39 minutes. So I have a little over two and a half hours to shave off of that. Once I finished Swami Shuffle 200, I was like, okay, I'm going to fully focus in and just go for this. And I, I kind of approached my training maybe a little bit long. See, everything about endurance training can be difficult. But going without a solid plan can really throw your train right off its tracks. And I should know better. I've been running ultramarathons since 2015. Nothing really earth-shattering. I've never graced a podium I have a stack of DNFs to my name, six of them to be exact, but yet somehow I've managed to finish 55 ultra marathons. Even with all that, there are still training blocks where I get distracted and get off track. And so what I have done is I have decided to develop a different method to attack this whole sub 24 hour 100 mile so that I can keep my training on track and continue to run injury free for decades. I want to run well into my hundreds. I got a little bit off track because I tweaked my back wearing a weight vest and that's where I kind of developed this whole training plan. But let me just kind of throw some statistics at you. Well, that's easy. Just, you know, maintain an under 14 minute mile pace for 14 hours. And I thought, yeah, it does sound really easy. So, you know, guy, I love numbers. And so I said, hmm, I wonder what the percentage of runners is that finish a 100 miler in under 24 hours. So I started looking things up. So let's take Yeti 100 in 2022. There were 118 finishers, 61 under 24 hours. So that's a almost, that's a better than 50% finish. Old Dominion 100 this last year, there were 53 finishers, 31 finished under 24. That's a 58%. Long Haul 100 that I'm running in January. In 2023, there were 110 finishers, 33 under 100. That's a 30% finish rate. Let's take Run Rabbit Run. So Run Rabbit Run is running a little bit different because they have what are called hares and tortoises. So there are 54 hares that finished the race, 21 under, under 24, so less than 50%. There were 201 tortoises that finished the race, four under 24. So total finishers for Run Rabbit Run was 255 finishers, 25 under 24 hours. So that's a 9% finish. Bighorn 100, 2022, which is actually one of the fast years. 178 finishers, 12 under 24. That's a 6%. Rocky Raccoon, which has a reputation as a very fast 100 miler. 248 finishers in 2023, 86 under 24 hours. That's a 34%. So then I said, well, let's look at 24 hours because that's where I'm going to attempt this at. So I looked up Cape Fear. So last year at Cape Fear 24 hour, there were seven finishers under 24 hours out of 138 that timed hours at all. So that's a 5% finish. Virginia run for cancer last year, because I'm really not going to count this year because that rain really did everybody in. But last year at the Virginia run for cancer, 24 hour, there were five finishers over 100 miles out of 188 that logged miles. That's a 2.6% finish. 
So take Pemberton. This is going to shock you. Pemberton 24 is a very interesting 24-hour run down in North Carolina. There were two finishers under tw- that had 100 miles in under 24 hours out of 202 that logged miles. That's like less than 1%. And then take Tideland. So in 2022, Tideland, there were five over 100 miles for out of 77 that log miles. So here's what I'm saying. It ain't all that easy. When you add up all those statistics and everything, and these are just some general races. I'm not looking at Western State, Hard Rock. I, I would tell you how many, you guys go ahead and guess how many finishers there were under 24 hours at Hard Rock. Has a 46-hour cutoff, in case you're wondering. But um, you look at look at these races, and you sit there and you go, yeah, well, under 24, just maintain 14 minutes a mile. It's not all that easy. What you've really got to do is you've got to dial a lot of things in, and you've got to stay on point. And so Jason Coop, who is one of my favorite coaches, runners, writer, Jason does it all. So Jason Coop was uh, being interviewed for an article with Outside Magazine, and I think this was in 2017. And Jason Coop has this quote, and I totally love it. He said, most ultramarathon athletes, even the elites, find success through a lack of failure on race day. In other words, it's not because they did everything right. It's because they limited or totally eliminated failure. So lack of failure is like going into an aid station and spending more than, you know, a minute or two at an aid station. You know, lack of failure is not becoming nauseous, sore, blistered. Yeah, you're going to be all this stuff, but sitting there and not letting it get you down during a race. So it is difficult, very, very difficult to finish a hundred miler under 24 hours. As I said, you know, I just want to do this. I'll be 59 when I, when I go out to do this. And, you know, I know that it's going to be difficult. And so I have put together for me what is going to be my map to be able to get this down. And so what I'm calling this is smart training to develop a more durable body. Because what I know I need to do is add durability, not really speed, but durability to be able to do this. So smart stands for has, you know, S-M-A-R-T. S equals strength, stretching, and stability. And we're going to go into that in just a minute on this one because I'm actually going to do five podcasts, one every month. This will be June. M will be in July. A will be in August. R will be in September. And T will be in October, right after Cape Fear 24. So I can tell you how I did staying accountable with this whole thing. So S for me, is strength, stretching, and stability. And M is movement. And I don't care what kind of movement you do. Movement of any kind works. A is attitude and assess. We'll go into that in a lot more detail. R is routine, rest, and restoration. Rest and restoration are two entirely different things. And the T is trust the training. Chris Guerra with Forge Glory Athletics, every race I've gone into, he's just said, trust the training. Trust the training. No other advice, just trust the training. When I was going into Swami 200, he said, trust the training. And I had had a tremendously successful training block going into Swami 200. I never doubted 
one instant of the 222 miles that I was going to finish. I never doubted I was going to finish another 96 hours. That was kind of the A goal in the back of my mind that I didn't tell anybody. And I was just like, I'd like to finish this in less than 96 hours. Don't ask me how I picked that. I just said, that's you know what I'd like to do. Finished in 93 hours and 39 minutes. Something about 39 minutes. All my fastest times all have a 39 minute to them. But that was that was a whole thing. So as I started developing this training plan to get to how can I possibly get this 50, almost 59 year old body moving for 24 hours at a 14 minute or less pace, what I said is I need to take a step back and rather than, you know, just pushing things till I injure myself, do this a lot more intelligently. And so I said, this is going to be a whole different thing. And yes, I did wake up about a week ago. I was getting ready to go up to the Appalachian Trail. And, you know, I uh, I had deviated a bit from my training plan because I wanted to go up and run the Appalachian Trail. So I was doing all my vertical runs, which in Hampton Roads, Virginia, is laughable. So that meant running up and down Mount Trashmore, going out to the Jordan Bridge and running Jordan Bridge. Uh, going into the gym and turning the treadmill on 15% for an hour and trudging up a treadmill all with a 20-pound weight vest on. And so the day I was supposed to go up to the Appalachian Trail, I bent over to uh, pick up cat barf, of all things, off of the floor, and a shooting pain locked up my entire lower back. And so I'm laying flat on the on the living room floor, and I'm sitting there going over my last two weeks of training, and I'm like, Okay, you're an idiot. So you didn't stick to your plan. And then as the spasms are shooting through my lower back and hips, I was like, you know, probably running all your runs in a weight vest was a little too much to start this training block. And so as I spent the week learning to bend over and walk lightly instead of running my you know planned 60 miles on the Appalachian Trail through the weekend, I said, okay, we're going to get back to smart training. Because I've done it before. It's how I successfully navigated Swami Shuffle 200. I just said, this is what I'm doing. I'm not going to worry about what everybody else is doing. That's one of the biggest things I think a lot of runners do. Is it's called FOMO, fear of missing out. And so you try to do things that maybe your body isn't really ready to do. And I said, nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stick to SMART. So seeing as how this is June... We're going to stick to the whole strength, stretching, and stability, and I'm going to tell you some of the things that I'm doing to make this successful. So stretching has always been one of those things. You go back all the way to high school when I was attempting to be a football player, and we would do these stretching exercises in the morning of two days, and I'm just like, I don't want to stretch. I just want to go hit somebody because that was just kind of who I was. Um, Stretching has never been a big thing for me. I'm not a big stretcher. And so what I have done is I have come up with a couple exercises that work for me. The big thing is now applying those things. So I've read a lot about stretching. And one of the things that kind of all the experts, and I am not an expert by any stretch of the means. Ha ha. Yes, that was a pun. I read a lot, as you all know. And so one of the things I have read is that stretching is something that you do like dynamic type of stuff. Before you go run, but not a ton of it. What you're really trying to do is stretch after you run. And there will probably be coaches who just slam me for that. But 
I'm learning to stretch after the run. And I'm the real thing for me is learning to stretch throughout the day. So as you guys know, I am behind the desk a lot. I do get on the road and, and make a lot of sales calls and I get out to a lot of job sites and everything, but I am behind a desk. One of the things I've done differently is I have a standing desk. So I very, 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 very rarely ever sit down when I'm in the office doing work. One of the things that I've added is I'll add squats. So I'll just be standing at my desk and rather than just constantly standing there, I'll just rattle off 10 squats and just do 10 deep squats and that's a stretch. So that's kind of the whole thing behind stretching. Strength training for me has always not been about weights. So I very, very rarely will use weights for my strength training. But I do a ton of plank exercises. I do a lot of lower back recovery exercises. And I will tell you that I have a, I have a great app that was part of the whole Strava thing that I, you know, we can get into another debate on whether I'm going to continue to pay the ever increasing amount that Strava cost a year. But one of the nice things that it does is it has this app that comes with it that's called Recover. And it has some great exercises for those of you who are not full-time athletes and everything and don't have the wherewithal to hire a coach. When I look at it and I go, okay, so it's 80 bucks a year for Strava. The app's kind of worth it for that because it has all kinds of different strength training and, and stuff on it. So I, I may renew, I may not, I haven't decided yet. But then the whole strength training for me is all about body weight and it's all about when I'm doing strength training, I'm also have an element of stretching to it. And it's also stability trip for me. One of the secrets is I've been reading a lot about running steady and being durable is creating stability. So it's creating that stable block of your body. So a stable core will lead to better gait and better cadence. And it's not so much strong. It's building a core that can withstand the impact, multiple impacts over, you know, a 24-hour period. If you think about this, and this is something to just remember, I'm a numbers dude. So they say that when you take 10,000 steps a day, really what you've done is about three to four miles. So think about how many steps you're going to impact in a 24-hour period with a 100-miler. That's a lot of steps. I mean, you can do the math. So what you've got to do is, yes, your legs have to be able to withstand that, but your wet legs are going to be able to withstand that the stronger and more stable your core is. So everything that I'm doing right now as I you know, recover and rehab from you know, this little lower back tweak is to take and build a stronger, more stable core and also to add some flexibility with stretching. And that's the whole S of the smart training. And we'll move on to movement next week, but movement's going to be pretty basic. I, I really don't care how you move. You know, you can go out and run sprints. There's a lot of people that, you know, we'll talk more about it in detail next week, but there's a lot of ways to move. Just move. That's all I'm going to tell you. And that may be the whole basis of next month's podcast. Man, I'm so excited about this. And here it is. I have said I am all in on running over 100 miles at the Cape Fear 24 hour. And we'll see if I get it done. I, I'm pig-headed when it comes to 
putting my goals out there and and going about and accomplishing them. So I feel very strongly that this year is a 100-mile-plus finish at the Cape Fear 24-hour. There will be a lot of friends down there from Hampton Roads to uh, do that, as I just got word from somebody else who just signed up and is going. So, you know, come on down. There's still room, I think. So sign up. Go down to Cape Fear 24-hour. You can jeer. You can cheer. You can come out and pace me after dark. And uh, yeah, it'll be a blast. We're going to have fun. And that's my biggest thing. No matter what you're doing training, please, guys, have fun. When you take and make this thing that we do for stress relief, what we do for mental balancing, what we do for physical fitness, when you take and you make it work, it's not as fun. And man, running for me is fun. You know, when I go out and run a race, like I'm getting ready to go run one of the famous Karen Sanzo races this coming Saturday. And when I go run that race, I really don't care how many miles I finish with. I don't care, you know, if I win or anything like that. I'm out there having fun with the running community and hitting a trail and just having conversations with people. And that's what it's all about. And that's one of the things I hope you've noticed a pattern with all the guests that we've had on. They all talk about the community and being part of a community. It is fantastic. All of us, all of our inner being is seeking to be part of community. And we have had tremendous guests on, and I'm lining up a bunch of guests for this next block and everything, and gonna surprise you with some of these people because they are just incredible athletes, but they're even better people. And so I'm just gonna continue doing these podcasts, just kind of who I am. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Living an Ultra Life. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time on Living an Ultra Life.